You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. And every episode, we'll be bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this week's episode, we're going to be discussing change and the concept that in order for things to change, you have to change. And one of my favorite sayings is the definition of insanity And it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah, that is definitely, I think we all have areas in our life that are like that. Uh, You know, I think as I struggle to lose weight, um, and you've seen me over the last couple of years kind of roller coaster that adventure, I always see myself, you know, like down the road, like I think, you know, with this mindset, like I can get there. And then as an example, like there's a group of guys I get together with once a year. Uh, I went to college with them. So we're going on 20, almost 30 years uh, with these guys. And we just played our 29th year of fantasy football. Uh, 29 years in a row, this group of guys have been playing fantasy football. So once a year, I get together over in Grand Rapids, Michigan with these guys. And I always think like that's kind of like I, I vision myself out like being at a better weight or being at a weight that I want to be at for that. And it seems like there's been some years that I've stacked on top of each other where, you know, nothing's different. And that's because I haven't changed. I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And that's, uh, is where my head went when you talked about that definition of insanity. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again. And the thing I would say is, even though you said you're not good at losing weight, I think you're actually really, (laughs) really good at losing weight. The problem is I think that you put the weight back on, right? Correct. Yeah. So in the last two years, I think I've lost 125 pounds and I'm exactly where I was when I started. So yeah. So the Uh, problem isn't losing weight. You're actually pretty good at losing weight. (laughs) The problem is, is like you're good at putting it back on as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing I would say, but it'll be really good conversation with us talking about change. And so it's interesting. You say you had a group that you uh, do fantasy football with every year. I have a group I do fantasy football with every year as well, but I made a change this year and I'm actually not playing fantasy football this year. And so I'm interested to see what that does and what that's going to change for me. So uh, normally I don't spend a lot of time on fantasy football anyway, but I do find myself watching a little bit more football because of fantasy football. And so now that I am not in my fantasy football league, I know that I'm not going to be watching as much football. So now I've got to put something else in that position of, uh, fantasy football and watching TV. So the change will be what will I actually put in that spot now? And so uh, we'll kind of be what we'll talk about, right? So when you change, sometimes you have to change your environment. Sometimes you have to change your attitude. Sometimes you have to change your habits. And so uh, in all of that, what do you think is the most important piece of change or in order for us to make a change? 
I think awareness uh, is, is a huge part of it. Um, I, I don't think we're self-aware in certain areas uh, that we continually do over and over again. And that could be awareness of a couple things, awareness of like one, your comfort level in the scenario you're in, awareness that there's an actual problem, awareness that you can make a change, uh, that something can be different than it is. You know, a lot of times I think we can find ourselves in scenarios where you just think that that's the way it is. And I think over the last few years that I've been getting stronger and stronger mentally, I realized, you know, that is, that that's a lie. That's not true. And so I think it's just awareness of, you know, and that you can break that down on multiple levels. It all starts in the brain, right? And so if you don't know, you need to know that there needs to be a change first, or you have to want to change, I guess would be the first key point, right? Just like you said. And so if you don't want to change, or if you don't think a change can happen, then you won't change. If I don't think change is possible, or if I don't think anything is going to change, then it won't. And so I think that is absolutely like the most important aspect of it. Even as you look at doing anything, it's the mental and self-work that you need to do that is going to get you where you want to go. And so I feel like on a lot of our podcasts, we kind of talk about the same thing over and over again. And that's like beginning with the end in mind, right? So if I want something or I want a certain result, I have to know what I want in order to get those changes to occur. And so I think you're absolutely right. Like, do you can't, do you have the ability to change? Do you want to change? And do you know if something actually needs to change? And that's a big one. You, you can look, you, you know, there's things in my life that I'm probably not aware that need to change. Uh, it could be my behavior towards, you know, one of my kids. It could be, you know, maybe I'm having a negative effect on, you know, one of my kids and I'm not even aware of it, but they're definitely aware of it. Uh, so there's something in my life that I want to change and I would, I would work on changing. Well, I'd possibly work on changing if I knew about it, but by not being aware, not knowing that it needs to be changed is I think a big effect on all of our lives. And and that can be in many areas. So, yeah, let's go back to that a little bit. Like, how do we know if you're not aware of it, how do we know things need to change? You know? So what do you, you talk, you're talking about your kids. I think about the same thing. One thing that I always or that like comes up often all the time now is like, cause of course I've got three little ones, right? Seven, five, and three. And every time it's time to go to bed. Like, it seems like, I'm not going to say chaos ensues, but (laughs) it's like, it's time to start winding down and somehow everybody's getting fired up. And so as I'm sitting there and, and this is where I'm talking about, like, it's a change of your habits because we always revert back to what we're accustomed to, right? At least, at least is how I look at it. And so like, I'm like, man, every time we go to bed, like, everybody starts getting riled up and I just want people to, I just want my kids to, to kind of start winding down and like slowing down and getting ready to go to sleep because once they get riled up, then it takes them longer to go to sleep. And then now all of a sudden I'm trying to tell them to go to bed and they're bouncing off the walls. And so I just start figuring out what do I want to have happen? You know, I want them to be able to go to sleep, get a good night's sleep so that the next day will be good for them. 
And then it's like, well, what are the approaches for us to do that? So we've just tried a lot of different things in order to do that. One is like having them go in the room by themselves, tell them to read books on their own. Sometimes that works. Sometimes I just have to go in there and read to them or just tell them a story or just talk about their day. But my point is, is like, you have to change the environment. You have to change kind of what's going on in order to get that, you know, kind of to happen. Well, yeah, that kind of makes me think of the book. Will uh, what's it? Willpower doesn't win or uh, what is that? That's will willpower doesn't work. Yeah, will willpower doesn't work, and that was a that was a big book to really work on my mindset of looking at willpower and how just because you want it to happen doesn't mean you can you can make it happen. And like you know, if we come back to you know my weight loss adventure like you said, I'm pretty good at losing weight. So I have a certain level of willpower, but the problem is, you know, maybe I'm only successful with my, you know, maybe my willpower only wins 80% of the time and therefore I lose 20% of the time. Well, you can't, you know, when you're trying to cut weight, like I am, you can't lose 20% of the time. So it's not necessarily just about the willpower, but it's more about the environment. So you were just talking about how you, you're changing strategies and, conversations, books, alone time, you know, and, and you need to find what works. Now, when it comes to your kids, the issue, the problem there is uh, one model is not going to work for every kid. So each kid's going to be a little bit different and it's not going to work forever. Uh, so you have to stay active in the pursuit of, of the model you're looking for. Definitely. And like you said, and that willpower doesn't work. And so like willpower, I think... As I that like that book is absolutely awesome. And what I think is I think willpower works. I think willpower kind of works in the beginning, but like willpower will not sustain you over the long haul, right? And so it's almost like a muscle or it's almost yeah. like you know, you you can use it for a certain amount of time and then once that time is done, then you know, you have to set up the environment in order to make you successful. And so for instance, like eating, for instance, at our house, we don't have a lot of sweets and stuff around the house because if we did, I would tear those things up. And so if they're actually not here, then, you know, you can't, you can't eat them. And if they're not there, then, then that's what happens. Actually, that just happened last night. I was like, I'm get, okay. So I'm getting ready for this jujitsu tournament next week. It's um, by the time the podcast comes out, it'll already be done. But uh, it's the Pan American Championship, and I have to lose probably like three more pounds. And I just, I love sweets. I love cookies. And so I like, I just have a habit of, I don't even know why. I'll go in the kitchen, and as soon as I walk in the kitchen, I open the, I open the fridge. I look in there. If there's nothing in there, I close the fridge. I walk to the pantry. I open the pantry. If there's nothing, there, then there's nothing in there. I get kind of upset. I close the door and then I like grab some water. <laughs> like that is, that is like exactly the process that happens every single time. But if there were cookies in there, I love glutino cookies. They're like, they're like gluten-free Oreos. I would walk in, I would open the fridge. There'd be nothing in there. I would close it. I would go to the pantry. I would open it. I would see the cookies and I would eat them. And so like, that is exactly what we're saying right here. Like willpower yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Like, you know, well, they're gluten-free, they're gluten-free, man. Doesn't that make them healthy? Yeah, it does. You know, <laughs> it makes the calories go directly to your blood instead of like, I don't know, going through somewhere else first. But 
But my point is, it's like that environment is set up for success in that area of, you know, in of staying fit. But I think I also still need to work on my mentality, right? So like, yes, that did make me successful, but now there's another step in that process as well. But I think the environment helps, you know, to a certain point, because in the end, did I really change anything? Maybe, maybe not. But the environment definitely helped me in that situation. That's hilarious. When you talked about how you like cookies, it reminded me one of the first events that we were at out in LA. This is when you and I probably just had met and we had hit dinner up three nights in a row at the hotel. And every single night you ordered a big chocolate chip cookie with a scoop of ice cream on it. (laughs) And you were all about that. I'm the cookie monster, man. Yep. It's awesome. That's when you, you weren't cutting weight for jujitsu back in those days though. Not at all. Not at all. Which is kind of the other thing, right? So I'll talk about, I'll talk about that as well. So part of the reason why I do jujitsu is so that I will stay in shape. You know what I mean? I mean, if I, exactly what you're saying. So when we first met, that was what, four, was that four years ago? Yeah. Yep. Four years ago, I was probably 240 pounds, 230, like upper two thirties for me, which isn't crazy, but and now I'm like 215, 216, you know? And so if I wasn't doing jujitsu, I would not be staying in shape. Like there wouldn't be a reason for me to prioritize that. And so that's that environment thing as well. Like I want to stay fit. I want to be, it's also for self-defense and confidence and other stuff as well. But, you know, the main point is, is I'd use that as a tool in order to keep myself in check. Yeah. Uh, so talking about like making some change and doing some things that are, are different. So I'm 50 now. So a lot of times the changes are fewer and farther between. But so tomorrow night, I've got my appointment for my first uh, consultation with the jujitsu uh, gym here in town. So it is so weird um, in making that change, you know, being 50, being overweight, it's I don't want to call it nervousness, but there's definitely some some anxiousness in going. I talked to the professor yesterday. It was kind of funny. Uh, just a real quick story that at least I thought was funny. So um, we're talking. I tell him, you know, hey, I'm out of shape. I'm overweight. I've got friends that do this. I'm really interested in it. I've you know I've kind of been following it. Been nervous about getting started. And he said, Oh no, come in. You know, we're gonna help you get in shape. Uh, we got a lot of white belts, you know, you're not going to have any issue. You're not going to, you're not going to feel out of place. And I'm like, well, Thursday's the gi class. And obviously I don't have a gi yet. And he's like, Oh, well, you got gis. He goes like, so what, you know, what, how tall are you? I'm like five ten, And he goes, well, how much you weigh? And I go two ninety five, And he goes, his, his comment was interesting. <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the good thing is, is like anybody who does jujitsu, it's like, We'll we'll figure it out, man. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so you made me feel a lot better. Here, I'll give you a little plug on your YouTube channel. What's your YouTube channel where you put your fights? Uh, BJJ Realtor. Yeah, so BJJ Realtor on YouTube is his, uh, is his YouTube. And what made me feel a little better was uh, that last fight you had last weekend <laughs> with that big guy. And I, that guy was big, I mean. And so I'm like, okay, so the big boys can roll. That's exactly and, right, man. And uh, I actually showed my whole family that video. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. So cool, man. Anyways, back on topic here. So it's just, you know, doing things in life that, you know, make you change. You know, one thing that you had just talked about is that 
and I didn't think about this, is jujitsu going to help drive that why I want to be in shape? Because that's part of, I think, the struggle is, you know, being healthy and making sure I'm around for my kids. Like that is like on a big picture, so important to me. But it's hard sometimes to, you know, bring that all the way back to making great decisions just today. Yeah. And, and man, I wasn't even thinking about talking about this, but like, that's part of the reason I was talking to one of my teammates, jujitsu teammates at the tournament we had this past weekend. And we we're just, I was actually sitting down, you, you, before you compete, they put you in this area, it's called a bullpen. And uh, they put all the competitors there. And then like, once it's time for you to go compete, you walk, they, the, the person for your mat will come out and get you and your opponent and they'll walk you out to your mat. Well, one of our opponents didn't show up. And so I had extra time like sitting in the bullpen. And so I'm just sitting there and you're always nervous, which is part of the reason why I like jujitsu is because if you're not nervous, I don't know anybody who's not nervous before they go into a match or a fight. Some people don't like to call them fights, but it's a match. And I'm just sitting there and my mind starts to tell me, it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like you're 36 years old. You're in Oklahoma city. And you're at a jujitsu tournament. Like, why, why, like, what are you doing here? Like, you know, you don't have to be here. And, and the point is, is the reason why I do that. And the reason why I say jujitsu is more than jujitsu is because I want to push myself and put myself in those positions, partly in, in things that don't really matter because it's training for myself for times when it does matter in my business, with my family, or something that's going to come up that's just unexpected, right? And so you put yourself in those positions so you'll know how to respond because we all, or at least it's my opinion that we all don't really like conflict. Like there's something in you that like, you know, you kind of push back on that, but sometimes you need to lean into it. And so, you know, that's the whole, it just helps you like kind of internalize it when it's physical physical as well. And so that's what me and my teammate were talking about. It's like, this is why we do this because there's no other environment where you can do that and train yourself to get better and to always change and to always push into against that nervousness and anxiousness and, and that sort of thing. Because in my, when you go into a, a match, either you do that or you succumb to the other person, but in business, it's so easy for me or anything. If I, if I need to spend time with my wife or whatever else, it's easy for me to go watch a YouTube video or walk in the other room or not engage in conversation with my wife when I should be engaging in conversation with my wife to, you know, better our relationship. And so taking those concepts from being on the jujitsu mats into the other aspects of your life, you know? Well, one of my big draws in in, in to, jit, to jiu-jitsu is everyone that I know that does it is I have a lot of respect for like they they perform at a high level in their jobs we got we have an agent here locally who is a oh man I believe he's a brown belt he may be a black belt he's been doing it a long time but he's done MMA in the past and and he's a part-time agent he's a full-time electrician part-time agent like he's a he runs projects so he can you know, do a little bit of real estate during uh, the day, but he's part-time agent doing $10 million in volume a year. You know, that's just, you know, for anybody in real estate, that's a, 
ten million dollar a year is great for a full time agent. Like that's yeah, that's a, better a than the career. average. And this is his second career. You know, you got guys like uh, that we know together, Adam Stark or Paul Lee, another guy that I've met through the real estate world, Tim Stout. Like these guys are all high performing individuals in their careers, and they all do jujitsu. Uh, so there's that's a big draw to me in that there's a lot of carry over from the mat to real life. And I think that's really good, man. It says a lot about you to even start for one at the age you're at. And then even in your condition level too, you know, it takes a lot of humility, takes a lot of, you know, you got to want to change kind of what we're talking about, knowing something needs to change and wanting to change and being open-minded. Like that says volumes because a lot of people won't do that and then they just make excuses for themselves you know and so you've taken the first step which i think is like huge in any part that you're doing you know so that's like great i appreciate that uh the other thing i wanted to talk about when it comes to change is i think there's two crucial things you need in your life to be able to successfully move forward with change i think one you need to have a good mentor coach and really seek out and pick the coach that's going to work for you. And then the second is accountability. Uh, You need to have uh, someone in your life that holds you accountable. And you're going to have different people in different areas of your life. Like you and I, I I think across the board, I, I think we hold each other pretty accountable in all areas, but business is the main area in which you and I hold each other accountable to. And I've got some guys in my life on the spiritual side that I have that hold me accountable and the, and there's two parts to accountability. One is finding the, the person or the people that work for you and two, being somebody that that person needs. And I think that's even the priority, the better, the better friend or the better I am at holding my friends accountable, the better they are holding me accountable. And those are, you know, some of that stuff takes some hard, you know, there's some hard conversations involved in that. You know, there's, you know, you may point something out about your business and I'm just like, ah, you know, I don't see it, you know, or Hey, you may want to think about that. And, and then also just to kind of bump back to that mentor coach and making sure you put good coaches in your life. So I think you and I are similar in this regard in that once we decide uh, that we have a, that, you know, once we pick that mentor or that coach, like we're all in with them. Like if they say it, then I've already gotten past the, you know, the hurdle of, do I trust him? I trust him because I'm bringing him in as a coach in my life. And so therefore, if he says it, I've already paid him to get his advice. So I'm going to take his advice until that starts to show some inconsistencies. Uh, And then, and then it may be time to make a change based on where you're at. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think we're both good at choosing uh, folks that we're going to follow, but there, there's a lot of thought that goes into that as well. You know, it's like the whole person yeah. concept that we kind of think about as well. So whenever I decide to decide for a coach or I'm going to follow someone, I usually feel as though I've got a pretty good handle on who they are and what their beliefs are and what they're kind of moving towards. And then if those things align, then 100%, I wouldn't even be spending time with you if I wasn't going to listen to you. That's one thing that I've never gotten is that People have coaches, their coach has a plan for, to get them where they want to go. And then they either one, don't take the coach's advice or two, they argue with the coach about 
what they're <laughs> coaching and how they want to do it. And so for me, I'm like, if I don't want to take his advice, then I won't follow him and I won't pay him. I'm not going to tell him how to do his thing, you know? And so, uh, 100%, you know, once you get on the plan, then you got to, you definitely got to get on it. One of the, uh, one of the other things I wanted to kind of discuss too, is like, whenever you make a change, like, I think change is hard because sometimes when you make a change, you kind of have to go backwards in order to progress, you know? And so, especially kind of in the state that you and I both are kind of in for one with our real estate businesses. But one of the examples I think about that everybody kind of knows about is like Tiger Woods, you know, like whenever he was at his prime, he was doing really, really well. And then he decided to change up his golf swing, even when he was like the best golfer, you know, on the tour. And when he changed his swing, he actually got worse but sometimes you have to change things up in order to get to another level. And so after he got everything figured out and everything started to click, he actually was better than he was before. And so there's two parts to that. Number one is sometimes you have to go backwards in order to go forward. And then number two is what we already kind of talked about having the awareness to know, like he's not comparing himself to everybody else. He's comparing himself to what his potential is. So if you're number one, it's hard to think and even have the awareness to know, like I can get to another level if I just change this one thing. And then even having the mental strength to get worse in order to get better. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, uh, we see it all the time in the real estate space where it's, you know, everybody's goals are all transaction driven. I want to do 25 deals. I want to do 40 deals. I want to do 50 deals. And then, you know, if you ask people like they're, you know, let's see, you know, if people even have a five-year plan, if you ask them to see their five-year plan, it's, you know, I mean, like mine uh, at one point looked like, okay, I'm going to do 40. And then next year I want to do 50 and then 75 and then 110 and then 150. Well, this year I had to take a step back in transactions because, you know, I'm changing the way that I want to get there. But the only way I can get to that 150 transaction is to make the changes I'm making now, which cost me this year as far as transaction volume costs. So it's that it goes right in line with what you're saying. Um, I had to tap the brakes in transactions because I need to set the system and the processes up to be able to get to where I really want to be. And so where that's at for me is in business wise, making a lot of transitions and then starting the team and building the team and and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and, and doing those different things. Exactly what you said. So in the beginning, when I first started out, my goal is to be like the number one agent, you know, the best agent that I could be. And usually the way you track that is transactions, volume, number of people served and all that. <clears throat> and so I feel like um, got to that point, especially in the company, that I was with. And, um, then I want to start building this team and to build a team. It's a totally different mindset. And so rather than me being the number one agent, you know, getting awards and being the top agent in the region and that sort of thing is like, now I have to make this mindset shift to where I want to serve the team rather than serving myself and almost really serving my ego. But And so to go back, you just have to have that mental strength of thinking like, okay, these awards, I'm done with awards. Now my goal is to help other agents 
the agents on my team get these awards or help them make more transactions that in order for the team to be successful. And so, you know, that takes a different mindset and it takes a different energy um, in, in order to do that. And so just like you said, like for myself personally, I'll have to take a step back in production and, and those things in order to get some, some processes in place that are going to help others succeed rather than myself, because I know how to do everything. I know how to market my own stuff. I know how to find clients, but helping someone else do that is very, very hard. Uh, having a process and, and documenting that process and then streamlining that process to where someone else can actually use it is a totally different skill in itself. Yes. I'm right there with you on that one. So uh, just kind of wrap up, like if you leave somebody with a bit of advice on change, I guess I would come back to this idea of where uh, I believe Tony Robbins said it. There's a lot of people that get credit with it, but I think it was Tony Robbins where we overestimate what we can do in one year, typically drastically. And then we underestimate even more drastically what we can do in 20 years. So just to be clear, you know, we set our one year goals way too high and we set our 20 year goals way too low. And that's the idea behind, you know, I guess what I want people to walk away with is that life and business is more of a marathon than a sprint. And I think we need to sometimes train and treat it that way. Yeah. One of the things you can with that is called Parkinson's law. And so that's just the, the idea that, however much time you give to something is like what you'll actually get done. So if I've got, I'll use my son, for example, he's got to write a book report. If he's got two weeks to do it, it'll take him two weeks to do it. If he's got (laughs) two days to do it, he'll do it in two days. So, you know, we kind of think about, we kind of think of those things, you know, short term and long term, and we kind of yo-yo them together. And so exactly what you're saying is I 100% agree. So if you're out there and I ever meet with you to sell you a house or to where you're going to sell your house, I'll typically give you a deadline on when it should be ready because that's when it'll be ready. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to take a little bit of time out and hit our feature of the podcast called Time to Invest. Hey, hey, Jerry here. And today on Time to Invest, I'm going to answer a question that I get all the time. Should... I get my real estate license as an investor. This comes up all the time. And there is uh, there are good answers on both sides of that question. Uh, and sometimes that gets pretty heated. There's some people that really feel um, you need to have your license. You should have your license. Uh, it's the only ethical way to do it. Even though you can invest in real estate and not have your license legally, some people feel that you just need to have your license. Uh, on the other side, there's some investors that say, no way that I want to have my license um, as I'm representing transactions for myself uh, when I purchase or when I sell. Um, I don't want to have the liability that comes with being a licensed real estate agent. So those are kind of the two things. Full disclosure, I'm a fan of you having your license if you're an investor. And here are the six reasons that I think it's a real positive uh, thing to have your real estate license. And that is one, you get MLS access. 
Uh, you get, um, you know, you're on a board and you get full access to the MLS to see everything that's happening in the market. Uh, a lot of research can go, you use the MLS for a lot of research. Uh, you see properties that are coming on the market. You see properties that have been on the market a long time. Uh, and it's a real quick, easy, convenient way uh, to educate yourself on the market. Two, you can list your own houses. So if you're a flipper or uh, if you're getting into wholesale um, and you want to get, you want to list your houses and put them on the MLS, you can do that. And what that's going to do is um, on my next topic, it's going to save you on commissions. Um, the other thing is when you, if you're purchased in a house that's on the MLS uh, that you're going to convert into one of your investments, um, you can use the commission that the seller is paying uh, to go towards your down payment, to go towards repairs. So there's uh, an upside to that as well. The third one, or excuse me, fourth is you can monetize retail leads. Uh, when you get leads in the retail end of the business, uh, you're going to be able to uh, list houses for people. You're going to be able to uh, represent them as my next one is that you can buy houses and you can also represent buyers. And then the last one is you can just leverage your team. Uh, if you have uh, MLS access and you're a, a realtor, um, you can build that team around uh, around you and having that license and uh, using all the, uh, you know, utilizing all the upside to having your license. Now the downside to having your license, uh, I had talked about some investors talk about the liability of having your real estate license. I however feel that if you're operating uh, in an ethical manner, which uh, I always advise, um, then that is a non-issue. Uh, but there is also an expense to carrying your license. So you typically, you know, you're going to hold your license at a brokerage. Um, you have, uh, you pay for the MLS access and you also pay for your board. So there's some dues. And so there's an expense with that. But if you're making money in real estate, it's pretty ne you know, negligible. The other downside to having your license is the amount of time it takes to get your license. Uh, some people don't want to go through the class. Uh, it could be anywhere between like a 40 and 120 hour class that you have to go through and depending on the state you're in. In Michigan, we have to do a 40 hour class and you have to take a test to pass it. Uh, in addition to that, you have to do six hours of continuing ed every year to maintain that license. So there's the pros and the cons of having the license. I, again, uh, feel that it's way more beneficial for an investor to have his or her license. If you have any questions at all about getting your real estate license, should you get your real estate license, hit one of us up. Uh, hit Jacoby or up. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Love watching people get in the business and succeed. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the feature there, Time to Invest. And so we just want to wrap things up here with you talking on this episode about change, that in order for things to change, you have to change. And so Jerry and I had a really good conversation about being open-minded and then the concept of changing your environment. Willpower doesn't work. There's a book, really good book by Benjamin Hardy, and it's called Willpower Doesn't Work. So we kind of discussed about willpower and how willpower is kind of like a muscle. You can work, run out of willpower but your environment is going to be a key tool in helping you make change. And then also the fact of the matter is um, whenever you make a change, sometimes you might have to regress a little bit in order to go further. And so whenever you make change, don't expect 
great things to happen every single time you make a change. So you might have to go backwards in order to move forward. And so the reward is well worth it. And so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Jerry and I had a great time uh, discussing it, bringing you episodes every other week on Tuesdays. And so we'd love to hear from you. You can uh, drop a rating and review wherever you get your podcast. And then we also love to connect with you on our Facebook group, The Jerry and Jacoby Podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes. 